second episode number two this. yeah this is number two and it's our, our show where we sit down with various people from the community and the industry and kind of pick their brain about some things and so zach who's our guest this time thanks adam our guest this time is the man behind what do you do pods your one-stop shop for pies reverse podcasts a tireless champion of the community dad extraordinaire and real life cleric with the voice of an angel Mr. Jason Lillis. Thanks for being here, Jason. Thanks, guys. It's a lot of fun to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We have a lot of things to ask you tonight, but I just want to start off with just a little bit uh, a question about your background. So you've lived all over the place around the U.S. You grew up in the Midwest, you went to school in Minnesota, settled in North Carolina, and now you've ended up in the Big Apple itself. So throughout your travels... Where would you say has the best regional cuisine? Oh, geez. Uh, so it is a hard thing to say that Iowa, where I grew up, has a particularly specific cuisine to which to be attached. However, I will say the cooking there is fantastic, and uh, and I and I miss it every day. Uh, but yeah. I'm not going to lie. Uh, there is something about barbecue in the South that has spoken directly to my heart uh, from my I, many years uh, yeah, ago. Yeah, it clogs it up. It is. It is exactly, <laughs> that's exactly it. That's your arteries demanding yeah. attention. It is indeed. <laughs> and I know that uh, there are a lot of people that will look askance at North Carolina, particularly South, South Carolinians who are going to say, that's not real barbecue. To which I say, uh, that's probably the case in your eyes. Uh, but what can I say? I enjoyed it when I lived there. <laughs> well, it's it's all relative. So, follow up question: Is there any um, Midwestern dish that you miss the most that you know nowhere can get right? Like my sister lives in Vegas, and she swears that no one can make cornbread in the desert. So, is there anything like that with Iowa? That is uh, true. I would say that uh, there is no sweet corn like the sweet corn that you get in Iowa in August. Uh, it is. Uh, absolutely the sweetest, most divine uh, corn on the cob you'll ever have in your life. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I recognize that people are all over the place with their taste, so uh, I think that's a big one. I will say the thing that uh, I enjoy the most is the hilarity of the Iowa definition of a salad. And uh, that is <laughs> Okay, the, okay, well you gotta elaborate. Yeah, okay. And so this is because, you know, because when I say salad, you're probably thinking, okay, some greens, some other vegetables mixed in, right? Uh, salad sure. is kind of a catch-all word in the Midwest, in Western, Midwestern culture. And so you can have things like, you know, salad salad. You can have seven-layer salad. Uh, yeah, which is a, a wild cousin, but you know we still, have that. We have that down here, not too far. Well, off, that right? seven layer dip is this, are these the same things? No, these are different things. It's uh, there's you'll look, you'll find it sometimes, uh, and it's it actually has vegetables in it, but it's something else altogether. Um, and then you start going further afield, where you get something like strawberry pretzel salad, which is where you take a whole bunch of pretzels, just smother them in butter, and make them the bottom crust of a then cream cheese and strawberries with strawberry jello layer on top of that. And that's a Midwestern dish. <laughs> and then you go one step further and discover there is something someone has created called Snickers apple salad. Which still bears the name what? salad. But you make, by dicing up <laughs> Granny Smith apples, Snickers candy bars, and mixing them together with a combination of uh, a little bit of cream cheese and a whole lot of cool whip like whipped topping kinds of stuff and you put this all together and it sounds like oh god why would they do that to themselves but it is this uh ridiculously good uh potluck no I'll, I'll be honest with you man that sounds that sounds delicious i'm not uh i'm not opposed to it at all i'm about it like i would try yeah. it for sure 
We have I mean, deep. Southerners we've had like deep eat, fried so. Snickers. Yeah. Right, you know, you right. ever had deep fried Snickers? That's delicious. I haven't had a deep fried Snickers, but I do know that it's, one time, uh, one year I was living in Minnesota, they served deep fried butter on a stick, and so it's not oh too far God. off uh, from that. I imagine or it's it's a similar I mean, concept. I draw, the, I draw the I draw the line at deep fried butter, though. I think I think I mean <laughs> put it in front of my face. I might might take a bite, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's definitely more information than I thought we'd get out of that question. So, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think that we actually need to spend a little time talking about what it is that you do at What Do You Do Pods. So, uh, do you want to just take a second to kind of break down uh, what What Do You Do is and everything like that for the listeners at home? Yeah, absolutely. So, this was a project I started uh, about a year. And it's been a year and a half already. It's been a while since I got it going, a little over a year now, I think, uh, where I found myself as a mostly just a stay-at-home dad with uh, one earpiece in all the time, just in case a phone call came while I was chasing my kiddo around town. Uh, And so I found myself listening to so many actual play podcasts uh, that I, it gave me an, an intro into uh, that whole community where I could go in, uh, meet a lot of folks uh, via Twitter was the primary way I connected with folks initially. Um, and so I decided after a while that I wanted to kind of s- separate out my, my personal account from this other project I had in mind where I would go online and it would help uh, even, you know, no matter how, no matter how many followers I, I picked up over the, the course of the project to share all the latest episodes that have come out for Pathfinder and Starfinder actual play podcasts. Uh, all the ones that I could find, I should say. At this point, um, there are over a hundred active Pathfinder and Starfinder actual play projects out there going on uh, in the podcast world. It is absolutely massive. Now, and that's, I'll say that that covers some groups doing multiple adventures and different things like that. Sure. So, right. yeah, there's a, there's a lot happening right now in the, in the medium, and it's really just a, it's just a really neat thing to see. So, uh, yeah, and it's a cool thing to be a part of. It's gotten, uh, it's given me the chance to see and meet a lot of folks I wouldn't otherwise normally get to connect with. Um, it's keeping me connected with gaming when I don't always get to play a whole lot on my own or haven't, uh, for the past few years, though that the past, uh, I guess the past year or so, I've, uh, a year and a half, I've gotten in a lot more than I did the previous three. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been just a lot of fun to get online and help connect folks and connect shows with each other. So everybody knows what's going on in the neighborhood and helping folks keep track of that. Yeah. Well, I, 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 we, we got to shout it out because I do think it's really awesome. And I, I think that Adam has to also appreciate the uh, fantastic spreadsheet that you have compiled mm-hmm. uh, online. You can you head over to at what do you do pods and there's a link on the Twitter to the spreadsheet. Right. But it's got everything. It's got all, uh, everything's categorized, categorized by Starfinder, Pathfinder, Homebrews. Did you have any idea what you were getting into when you decided to s- start doing this? You know, no, I, I really didn't. Um, and it was a, a big part of it was just saying like, okay, I was initially thinking, what are the ones that I'm listening to? Who am I, who am I listening to? And what do I want to, what do I want to keep track of? Cause I was initially thinking, oh, I'll keep a spreadsheet of who I've listened to and how far up in their podcast I've listened to. Well, then as the weeks, heard that. Yeah. Heard as, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So as the weeks kept rolling by, though, I realized, you know, there's no reason to be updating that. What's the last one I listened to thing? And there's no way I could I could keep up with that in any in any reasonable way. Uh, so instead, um, yeah, I just said, okay, let me instead let me break this out by adventure path for Pathfinder for Starfinder, or if somebody's homebrewing something, let me give that its own separate tab on there as well. Uh, and let me see what I can find and what's out there. And the great thing is that, you know, I'm not alone in my love for this medium and the enjoyment I get out of vicariously being present at so many tables around the country and around the world. And so I've got a lot of folks who are always pointing out new podcasts to me or recommending 
uh, folks to, to, to connect with me so that I can help them connect with other podcasts and with the broader community. So it's just a, it's a really neat place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you have any help or how do you find all of these podcasts? That seems like such a gargantuan task to scour the, the internet to uh, find new and upcoming podcasts to, to yeah. check out and listen to. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a lot of work. I do have a couple of folks who will that I know from various discords right now or other folks on Twitter who will say like, oh, now that we know that this project is in place here, let's recommend and uh, to Jason what um, what he needs to know about this new thing that's out. Or Jason, have you listened to this thing? Let's hear. Uh, usually, though, what I'll find is, I, I think at this point, it's probably that Twitter knows me better than anybody else and um, <laughs> ha- happens to get uh, the right things into my uh, into my feed and into my timeline as I go. Uh, so yeah, I think um, uh, yeah, there there are a bunch of folks that help point things out to me. Um, particularly, I would say over on the the Hideous Laughter uh, podcast Discord, friends of yeah, your podcast. Yeah, always. They're always dropping new podcasts there. Yeah, yeah, we for sure. we talk a lot about that there, and then on a couple of other uh, Discord servers that I that I pop around on as well. So, yeah, um, it's you know you got to set up the right way of searching for things. Uh, and Paizo, you know, in a way, has made it um, easy because for a lot of these things, you can actually search by the name of the adventure path, and that will come up with a lot of stuff. Um, or you, you know, you, whereas you might search for Pathfinder, like, well, okay, that's great. But not only are you getting actual play podcasts, you're also getting like each and every person's DM or GM tips and tricks uh, that you'd want to, uh, that you'd want to read or their mini that they painted or the dice that they're showing off or something else that they've done, a review they wrote, things like that. So yeah, uh, narrowing down the search terms is, is a big part of that there. Um, but yeah. Oh. Are there are there any APs out there that you don't that don't have a podcast running them yet? Is there still some on the table? Yeah, there are still a few Pathfinder adventure paths that are on the table. So um, no one has. Uh, there is one podcast that started running Curse of the Crimson Throne. They got a little ways into it, but podcasts are a big project. I never uh, I never want to disparage anyone for saying you know what. This is not something that's sustainable for us because it's a it's a tough venture to get into. And it is. It, it's a com- it's a, a long term commitment. It really is. Yeah. It really is. So uh, I am I'm still surprised that uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne isn't out there. Um, there uh, up until recently there was not an Iron Gods podcast, but I know that there's one uh, currently underway. Uh, but the one that uh, is surprising me maybe the most right now is that there is no Hell's Rebels campaign that is out there really? running. Which, uh, if you know anything about that world, it's set in Cheliax uh, on Galarian, which is the land that's uh, where the ruling house has made a deal with Asmodeus to continue to be in power. And there's a particular city where the adventure path starts, and I'm not going to spoil anything beyond the, the, is the that, opening is scene. That, is... Yeah. Is that the evil one or the the? Because there was they released two right where you either play you, you can play the evil party or you can play the good party like right didn't yeah so yeah so hell's rebels is the good guys uh, the oh, good so those party. are the good guys yeah, hell's vengeance is the the evil party that's the only evil campaign like dedicated to evil campaign that Paizo has released um, and I'd be surprised if they did it again. Uh, they might do one for second edition at some point, but um, it's a very niche kind of product. Yeah. Yeah, and that's got to be really hard to do as well yeah. without yeah. it just descending into depravity or yeah. you know really uncomfortable situations or something like that. I don't know how you sustain an evil campaign, but I know that people do it. But yeah. I don't. Know. Yeah, yeah, and I know that there are like homebrew campaigns that go into that. Um, and I know that there is there is one group that was talking about recording Hell's Vengeance. Uh, I haven't seen it come out yet, uh, but I'm keeping my eye out for it because I would I would consider listening to that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, 
I'd be curious about it too, but you got to be careful with that, right? You know, because as Zach was saying, that could really devolve very quickly, if if not even to depravity, but just like straight murder hobo, and that's not very entertaining, at least not for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Evil campaigns are a really tricky idea to try and pull off, right? Because you have to have a reason for all of these terrible people to want to work together. And particularly for something the length of an adventure path, that seems right, extra right. hard to pull off. Um, so I would be, I, I, yeah, I'd be really curious to see how other folks uh, have handled that, who have played that adventure path. Um, it's not been something I've wanted to pick up and run, uh, but I'd definitely be interested to, to learn more about it from a, from a group if they wanted to podcast it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, now that um, Pathfinder 2nd Edition is out, of course... There are a couple other uh, Pathfinder uh, podcasts that don't have a whole lot of representation, but Starfinder obviously has a ton of great podcasts that are out there uh, covering a wide variety uh, of adventure paths. There's a ton of homebrewed Starfinder content that's out there as well. There is. There is a lot. And some of that stuff is just gold. Absolute gold. And it is wacky, over-the-top zaniness. uh, And I love it. Uh, Starfinder lends itself to that. It really does. Yeah. So how long, how many days long is your backlog, Jason? I, I feel like it has to be long. You have to be listening at like 10x speed or something. There's no way, man. There's no way. I mean, listen, I, I think it's a, a awesome thing that you do. You know, you're a pillar of this community. But like, dude, how long is that backlog this uh, week? It is, uh, it is long. If I was actually trying to listen, if I, was, if I thought there was any way in the world, to actually listen to every single Pathfinder and Starfinder episode that came out. I would try it, but I very quickly acknowledged that there was almost no way. Yeah, that's Do you impossible. just get on, like, a binge on one particular show, and you just, like, you just... I, I mean, because obviously you listen to the shows. You're not just aggregating them all and not even listening to right. the content. I feel like you got to be... you got to listen to some stuff, so... Um, how do you binge, or do you try to like be uh, diplomatic and, and balance everything it is, out? It is a tricky thing. Um, I have some that I initially got into when I first started listening to them, um, and I, I binged on those pretty heavily just to get to where they were currently. And then as I discover new ones, if I find that they hold particular... Um, if there's something about them that makes me say, oh yeah, I, I really want to listen to this one, these folks, these, these sound like good folks to, to connect with, um, then, I'll, then I'll give it the binge. I'll give it, uh, I, I want to try and give most, ep- most podcasts that I dive into uh, seven episodes. Um, I feel like by that's a good number. man, yeah. that is, that's an awesome rule because I really think yeah. that one or two episodes, you're, it's hard to actually get the read of the table. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can think about this from your own experiences of playing tabletop games, right? Like the very first time you sit down to play with a group, uh, nobody, uh, not nobody, very few groups are going to come straight out of the gate with the perfect role-playing experience uh, that they're going to provide. And so going at a podcast with the same mentality of saying like, Let's ease into our relationship with each other, me listening to you, you interacting with me as a fan, and let's talk about what that, you know, what that's going to be like. And if we want to keep up with that, that's great. I will say there are some pods that are out there that are on my radar as things I really want to listen to, and I just, for the last few weeks in particular, um, I just haven't had the time to do it. It was funny, I was, you know, over the holidays, because we were recording this in mid-January, and, uh... I mean, I guess you can cut that out if you don't want people to know when we're recording this. Um, oh, now we're leaving it's it a in. Secret. Now we're leaving it's it a in. Secret. Now it's definitely yeah. staying. Pause for <laughs> yeah. um, I was I was hoping I would get to listen to more over Christmas, but of course, as it happens, you go, you start hanging out with family, you do all these different activities with everybody, and uh, once you get out of the daily routine of of listening and having that be part of where you go and what you do in your day uh, just evaporates so um so yeah i uh i will often binge to listen or i'll binge more frequently now i'll binge to catch up because i've gotten behind on something yeah um, and then that, i just do my best to stay connected with what uh with what comes up each week yeah well yeah i mean i think you're 
doing a great job. <laughs> it's Thanks. it's a lot to keep up with, and um, it's really impressive. You know, yeah. I think it's a great. I know that we really appreciated oh, the signal boost when we first started recording. Absolutely. It was it, that was huge for us. So, I mean, I imagine it must be for uh, other podcasts that are coming up too, man. So, I hope so. Um, Adam, yeah. did you have something that you that you wanted to ask in, in, on this topic? Yeah, so I got a, I got a couple of questions. The first one is, uh, you know, uh, just echoing what's been said before. What you're doing is it's an amazing project that you put together. But as with any project, especially being on the internet, I'm sure there are some drawbacks. So I want to ask you, what are some particular hurdles that you've come across as you develop this? Right. So I think one of the biggest uh, challenges for me around it is just realizing that um, one of the things I would like to be able to do is post the new episodes that come out every day uh, as they as they come out. Uh, life, of course, gets in the way of that. Um, you know, like today, for example, it's a holiday and I had to spend the entirety of it doing everything but sitting at a computer until we're getting down to do this today. Um, and so being able to actually like stay on top of that sharing um, can sometimes uh, can sometimes snowball, right? Where I'll have something happen where I'll, I'll miss a day and then, you know, ah, shoot, it's been two days. And then I look up and I realize it's been four days since I shared everything. If I want to share everything that's come out since the last time I've posted, this Twitter feed or this Twitter thread is going to have like 30 posts in it just to, just to try and encapsulate everything. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of tricky there as well. Um, the, the other thing I, and maybe the more pertinent thing, uh, to share about is that I often get asked if I would, um, particularly like to recommend one podcast over another for someone to listen to. And I find that I have to end up having a dialogue with the person that's asking me that rather than just saying like, oh, check out this one or this one or this one. If I'm short on time, I'll just share the spreadsheet with them and say, if you like Pathfinder <laughs> stuff, you're probably going to look for a specific adventure path that you're interested in. Right. Here's the info, go find that. Um, but it's funny to see how many different tastes people have and what they're looking for in a podcast and what resonates with one group as they listen to and fall in love with their particular set of podcasters is going to be completely different for another person. And they're going to say, oh yeah, I tried that and it really wasn't for me, but this niche one that's over here that's doing something else, that's the one for me. And so trying to figure out how to have those conversations with folks is, uh, is a, can be a tricky thing too. Well, I think that, I think that, you know, you are in a position where, you know, if you wanted, you could be the trend center for, for a lot of podcasts, right? You'd be like, this is the podcast that Jason's listening to. But I think one of the big reasons why your project has been so successful is because you've re remained pure to your intent, which is to help everybody who's sharing in this game, be able to share in this game. And that comes through even in the Twitter, like there's no, there's no special treatment to any podcast. It's like, here you go. This is what's out there. You do the research, you find what you like. I'm here to support the community. And that makes, it makes all the difference. You know what I mean? And I commend you because you could be like, well, these are, here we go. Here's Jason's top 10 of the month, you know, like, <laughs> but I appreciate that you're keeping it much more about building community than isolating it. And that's, it's, it's really special, you know? So that actually leads me into another question, unless you have something to add to that one, Jason. I, I think that the, yeah, I think that that really, you know, puts it into words better than I could have uh, myself in thinking about, uh, you know, the importance of the community and all of this. Um, I will say the one thing that I, that I wish I had uh, more time to be able to pull off, and, and maybe I will here at some point in the spring, maybe not, um, as the might as I settle more into new life here in New York with all the upheaval of the past six months. Um, one thing I would really like to pull off is some kind of review aggregator, uh, at least com like compiling reviews that other people have already left 
for other actual play podcasts because sure you can go onto uh, iTunes for a specific one here or there, but that gets really clunky to search through. And I would really love to be able to offer something where people could quickly click through and see, all right, what are the reviews that are out there for this? What are some of the highlights that people are saying about it? And kind of uh, be able to help have um, have podcast uh, seekers look for and find the keywords that are going to make the most sense to them in that kind of layout. Because, you know, for the most part, the people that are leaving reviews for podcasts are leaving them because they love the podcast and they're going to, they're going to leave four or five star, four or five star reviews for that. And so going in there to see what people say about that thing, that's a great way to, uh, to get folks listening to, to new podcasts as well. Um, I've got some other projects I would love to try and pull off as well. Um, they're all, of course, like every project, time limited. So we'll see uh, which ones of those actually come <laughs> so, up in the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it goes. But since getting involved uh, in this community, what is the coolest thing that's happened to you? Like uh, whether it be at a convention or in an interview or game or just online. Like what's what moments have made it into your highlight reel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, the the craziest thing was getting followed by Paizo on Twitter. That was a really weird moment to make me go, oh, I've been playing your game for a decade, and now you're giving me the opportunity to actually interact with you directly? That's really cool. I mean, that's super awesome. Um, or getting to interact and talk with folks uh, in messaging situations where we talk back and forth with each other, uh, there on online is is really neat. Um, getting to sit down and do an interview with uh, Steve and Griffin over at the Hideous Laughter podcast when I was at Gen Con, where and I was there volunteering to be a GM for Second Edition Pathfinder Society games for for <laughs> Paizo, um, which was its own whole crazy thing. You've never seen a game like a Pathfinder Society game that starts at two o'clock in the morning. On Friday night. Oh my god! It was, no, you're correct. I've never it is, seen that it is, situation. It is a wild, wild thing. Uh, so, uh, um, those are all awesome. It's been great to, uh, you know, to. Um, uh, oh, what's the phrase I want to look for here? Um, uh, for full disclosure, you know, the three of us and uh, and uh, Heath and Emily from Southern Top Foolery have all gotten to sit down together to play a couple of Pathfinder 2E games. Uh, where we homebrewed some yeah. things for that. Those were a bucket of fun. Um, just really enjoyed yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of connections have been cool. Uh, living here in New York, I've gotten to meet up with a couple other podcasting crews that are based here locally, so that's very fun. Um, for sure. Yeah, and that's uh, just always neat conversations with folks to talk to them about. You haven't run into Troy on the street yet, though, have you? Not on the street, no. <laughs> no <I'm> not, <laughs> not on the street. street. Uh, Head to the deli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've thought about it. At a dun- at a donkey's. At a, a donkey. <laughs> there are so many donkeys. There's there there'd be no telling which one you might turn up at. But uh, right. you know, and there's so many delis that you could go get that sandwich just about anywhere. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Go get the Lavalley special. There it is. There it is. <laughs> awesome. Well, speaking of uh, Paizo, I I want to just kind of talk a little bit about uh, our shared hobby, which is playing tabletop. So how long have you been playing tabletop, Jason? Sure. So I was looking back at this and thinking about it a little bit and realizing that the first uh, edition of Dungeons and Dragons that I got was a 1991 boxed set uh, that had this great picture of this red dragon like leaping out towards this fighter holding an axe and he's the fighter stands no chance against this thing it's absolutely <laughs> massive um, and then from that I got to play a little bit with my brother and my cousins uh, but it didn't really turn out into anything uh, there was one other kid in school that had this stuff and played it, but for the most part, it was really just us. And then after a few months, we didn't even really talk about it that much anymore. And it kind of laid dormant, except for a lot of the novelization things that I read, a lot of those Forgotten Realms novels. That came yeah, out. yeah, the Driz yeah, novels yeah, the and novels, stuff. Absolutely. Uh, when I was a kid, I wrote uh, a fan mail letter to R.A. Salvatore, Bob Salvatore, and just asked him some, you know, very much. I look back on it now, and it's like, it's like 
questions a 12 year old would write you know um to an author <laughs> and uh but to bob's credit you know he he hopped on the typewriter or the word processor or whatever he punched out a reply to me put it in the mail and mailed it back to me i mean i still have this in my box of like stuff from when i was a kid back at my parents house uh, and i pulled it that's... out one day and looked at it and i was like oh my that's, God. Awesome. that's, that's so incredibly great. wholesome yeah it was that's awesome yeah it was just this really <laughs> sweet amazing. thing that he wrote yeah um, yeah. And this is, of course, this is his licensed novel. This isn't his like his own homebrewed like uh, Demon Wars uh, saga that he's got out there. Um, so fast forward a ways from there, um, then of course the uh, the Black Isle Studio games start coming out: Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate Two. Mm. Uh, the first one I grabbed, mm. of course, after all those novels, <laughs> was the the Icewind Dale game, and I have yeah. It. See, I I didn't play that yeah. one. That's the one I haven't played. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I logged so many hours into that, and I got every time I got so far into it, I just hit a point where I was like, I have other things I have to be doing, and I would set it aside. You must gather your party before venturing exactly. forth. Exactly. I once tried a solo <laughs> run on it where I just played the same, ro- just one rogue, and that was it. No one else in the party. And uh, eventually... How? <laughs> uh, a lot of quick saves. I guess that's the only way that you could actually play a rogue in Baldur's Gate because your party's gonna, the AI is gonna screw up your rogue every, every time. time. Like it's so hard to like pull off sneak attacks in that game because your party's just sitting there <laughs> and just like starts hacking at stuff. You know? Exactly, exactly. So that was a big part of it there. And then uh, Neverwinter Nights came out. That was a huge part of uh, my post college years of of gaming. Um, and then there wasn't a whole lot I did until uh, around 08, 09, Penny Arcade came out with their uh, actual play recordings for D&D 4th Edition. They recorded them before it even got released. Wizards put it out, um, and they ran this goofy adventure with Chris Perkins. And you can all see where Acquisitions Incorporated has gone today. And so that was right, right. that was one of my first ones to, uh, to lay into there. Um, and then... When we moved, we were in New Jersey at the time, and then right when we were getting ready to move to North Carolina, I found the Pathfinder uh, uh, playtest, the the playtest for the first edition of Pathfinder, and then found out that they had this thing called the Pathfinder Society, and I said, well, I'm going to sign up for that. So I've still got a four-digit Pathfinder Society number that I'm particularly proud of. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that I grabbed a really long time ago, and that's going to like maybe impress like three other people who listen to this podcast. But, but, yeah. but man, to those who know, though, that is like clout. You can't, like, you can't, he's you got can't that pay for that digit. kind of clout, no, man. No, so 8574, that's me. Um, yeah, and so I, uh, I got down to North Carolina, and I went to this... Uh, I went on Meetup, meetup.com, to look for Pathfinder Society games, and this guy named Steve Miller, uh, who would later go on to write Pathfinder Society scenarios, was organizing games at a store called All Fun and Games in Cary, North Carolina. And I went and I showed up with my very first character that I'd ever rolled up for tabletop role-playing games. I bought a set of oh, you got to tell us what the character was. Uh, this character, uh, so it's Pathfinder, right? And I'm looking at the society and thinking they're all about uh, the acquisition of knowledge and in many cases the acquisition of items and getting them from one place to another place. And so I said, I'm going to make a bard whose profession is that he is a courier who takes things from one place to another, but I can't just have him be, you know, a really stereotypical kind of Eurocentric person. So I'm going to take this idea of the Kelids from the realm of the Mammoth Lords and think of this guy who's like more like a war chanter uh, up in that area, but had to leave for whatever reason I cooked up, you know, a decade ago when I was thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> made his way to Absalom, joined up with the Pathfinder Society, and then got to go travel the world to see everything that happened out there. Um, had a particularly nasty run-in with a white dragon uh, many, many scenarios later. That was that was pretty rough uh, for him. I'm, uh, I don't think he came out of that one, but uh, that was the the fatal blow. That was the that was the end of your career. <laughs> that was the end of Soldak, the Kelid Bard, uh, 
uh, from the realm of the mammoth <laughs> lords. Soldak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So yeah, but uh, but a lot of that, um, those folks there were really awesome. They were super generous. When I said I was interested in trying to run a couple scenarios, they of course said, absolutely, we would love to have you come in and do this. So uh, I got to join up and run some games, and I've been... Uh, over the last uh, year and a half, been running more than I've been playing, and that's totally fine by me. I really enjoy the storytelling aspect of things. I think that's the biggest uh, the biggest draw of the hobby for me is just all of us getting to sit down and, and tell a story together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what do you like the most? Since since you started with D and D, but you've picked up Pathfinder, stayed in Pathfinder. What do you like the most about the Pathfinder or Starfinder? What do you think separates it from D and D or makes it stand out? Sure. So it's been a long, long time since I played um, sec. Uh, let's say even say third edition of D and D three point five. Uh, I don't know that I ever got a game of 4th edition, and I know I've never gotten a game of 5th edition in. So I, I should say I don't have a whole lot of systems, like system-specific stuff to compare between the two things. Um, I'm going to uh, echo a lot of folks who would look at Pathfinder and say, here is a really robust system that permits me to build any kind of character that I want. Um, and for the most part, the groups that I've played with, the individuals that I've played with and found myself at a table with, no one's really minded if I build a character that isn't perfectly optimized, right? They're all going to look at this and say, sure, that's who you want to play, as long as it makes sense with the rest of the party, based on, like, on a like on a basic alignment or morality like yeah, yeah yeah like chemistry level yeah yeah, yeah 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 is this character going to agree with everybody else uh you know for the most part uh then yeah no problem and so paizo has created tons of options and some of them you'd look at and say this makes absolutely no sense to pick from a power standpoint oh so, 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 what, so you're that's... not playing that 10th level you're not playing that 10th level nobleman class or whatever, whatever <laughs> oh the, the gentleman <laughs> class that uh yeah that, the what, uh, old yeah. spice came up with yeah that one <laughs> that, that one is a little uh a little weirdly powered yeah yeah yeah. yeah i think you know i i look at all that and i say these are some these are some really neat things to to have to get to pick from i'll i'll say one of my still one of my favorite things that paizo has came up with was the ultimate campaign rulebook and this was back uh, i don't know six or eight years ago now uh, that that came out um and one of my favorite things about that is that it created rules in there for creating your own buildings and organizations and so how would you build up your own stronghold if you're going to do it what purpose would each of those rooms serve how would they help you out both from a role-playing perspective or in a income perspective uh, for your character and thinking about those things in terms of like what are long-term investments that these characters would make that would make them feel less like murder hobos you know for the most the the, the stereotype that we look at and so being able to take those and say all right if i was running say something like kingmaker this awesome adventure path that spans years of time uh in the pathfinder world um it would absolutely make sense for my character to want to say, all right, I'm going to live in this new kingdom. Spoiler. The, I mean, the Pathfinder's, the Adventure Path's called Kingmaker. Wait, wait, yeah, I think... Kingmaker's think... about making <laughs> kingdoms? Kingdom no, no, right? no. Like no, no. Dude, we're, yeah, we're going to have to spoiler I'm tag sorry. this whole episode yeah, now. No. Cut it. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're going to, you know, you, you're going to have an adventure that looks at that and just says, all right, where am I going to sleep every night? What am I going to do in a month off between adventures with my buddies? And so that uh, that book, I I have great fondness for, um, and I love that somebody out there is doing this project. And I would love to see this in an actual play format as well. This guy every day posts an update for what his little uh, character has done with the ultimate campaign rules that day, and he's been doing this project for years. It's like uh, Dave the Commoner. I think it's called. You might have seen this blog that's out there. And if you haven't, it is absolutely worth a look. Somebody just pointed it out to me this year where he started as a level one commoner and then by using the ultimate campaign's downtime rules, used got that character through gaining experience, 
gaining money, uh, recruiting followers, building up a business, doing all these different things. And it's it's this wild, wild narrative uh, that this guy. Matt Dan's like the man. Yeah, he is. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And at this point, he's like level seventeen or something like that. And it's just it's it's this crazy thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That is crazy. You know, I still see so much support and enthusiasm for One E even after the release of 2E. Do you think that 2E is catching on, or do you think it's going to take more time? Oh, I think it's absolutely catching on. I think there's a reason that Paizo just shared the other day that it's one of the top-selling game systems uh, for 2019, right? Like, it had a huge, huge launch at Gen Con, and in the following months, um, I will say that as as much as it is catching on, I can totally understand why people still want to play first edition. And Paizo understands this as well, right? They they know that people are Well yeah, I've got yeah. Yeah, ten years worth of investment in the system with with these types of books that you're talking about with Ultimate Campaign. I mean that doesn't exist yet for Tui. So if you're that's the type of game you're trying to play, to have all these options, all this all this material to help you flesh out not only your character but the world around that character that does that's not there yet for 2e hell there's only one ap out currently i mean we're getting a new one at the end of this month very 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 soon actually yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but still i mean there's just not as much to do in 2e yet you know i would also say that um you know there's just a lot of a lot of stuff that in a brand new system like that is going to need some tweaking and adjustment right like you're gonna go back to it later like i'm thinking about how when starfinder came out it's like ah here's this whole new system well within you know a few months they looked at everything and they said wow man we did not balance starship combat correctly we need to change these dcs completely <laughs> and that's very much to their credit that's that's awesome and i think that um paizo did a uh, a pretty great thing by saying we're going to and, and I know this is probably not something everyone's gonna agree with me on but I think they I think they made a good choice to leave out the monster creation rules until they printed the game mastery guide so that they could actually play test more and more and more and be able to say okay how do we want to refine these before we release them well and I don't even from even from a different perspective, I mean, why does the monster creation rules need to be in the in the core rulebook anyway? That is a game master set of rules that they need. You know what I mean? Like that that's just taking up more page space in the already pretty large tome. You know, yeah, like uh, Starfinder. Book, <laughs> oh right, and, yeah. and, the, and both of them are like huge. Very, yeah. it's a lot to take in. So like all, all of a sudden you're putting monster creation rules in there. Yeah, it'd be nice to have them at launch for those that are all homebrew all the time. Like I get, but it does definitely just feels like it has a better space in the GM's guide anyway. Like that's where it should be categorically in my mind that's the only person who's going to be at the table creating monsters so you know right exactly makes sense exactly so um what are your favorite race classes or you know like just off the top of your head in either pathfinder or starfinder or both like what you know if you had to roll up a character right now what would you make I yeah a little on the spot um, I think that if I was going to play uh, Starfinder I would definitely grab the Otterfolk race uh, though mm. I can't remember okay. what they're called yeah I wish I could pull it but I can't I don't, I don't know yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't remember either yeah and then I, if I was going to pick a class for that particular one um I would probably go Envoy with it just to keep with the kind of like generally playing a, a leader class, a support bard style mm-hmm. kind of a thing rather than a... Have you have you gotten to play Starfinder yet? I have not gotten to play it at a table. I've only gotten to play it in play-by-post settings on the Paizo boards, which worked okay for a while, but then uh, just... As my kid got older, there was more and more I needed to be doing rather than looking at that, and so it just I had to I had to fade out from those. yeah yeah. But uh, yeah, that's the that's the definitely the Starfinder experience I have has only been in that way, and I would I would be more than interested in trying it out uh, at some point. But most of the tables I when I find myself at a at a table with folks, they're usually looking at uh, Pathfinder or Second Edition right now. Yeah. 
Well, it's pretty fun. Oh yeah, I, I got to tell you, it's pretty fun. Oh, having we uh, like it. I, I, yeah. We like it all right. <laughs> yeah, having listened to all these different adventures, I can absolutely see why people embrace this and just really love running with it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if I was gonna make a Pathfinder or Pathfinder Second Edition character, uh, right now I might go for an Ifrit Swashbuckler. So that'd be kind of like the mm. genie kin tied to the plane of fire, and then have them be yeah. a really daring Bravo-style Swashbuckler. Yeah, that would just be... Or there's there's one archetype for first edition I remember reading, where you're a Swashbuckler, but you get to use a Scimitar, and because of your devotion to Saren Ray you can choose to ignore the minus four penalty to deal non-lethal damage instead of lethal damage. And I really like this idea of a swashbuckler that just runs around the battlefield, taking people out by knocking them unconscious, not necessarily killing them. Um, because I always feel like, as a player, I want to be able to... So Batman? Yeah, kind of more like Batman, I guess, right? But like, <laughs> as a player, I always want to be able to learn more about what's going on. And you can rarely do that if your only goal is gutting the person that's standing in front of you. And I struggle with that because me as a player, I always want to leave an enemy and, and t- take a hostage and interrogate them. And but the character that I'm currently playing is certainly more of a you know shoot first and let God sort him out later kind of guy. So it's it's tough, you know. It's, it is tough. You got it's a it's a balancing act. Well, a lot of it's also the party that you're with too you know yeah like it tends to that's kind of the party dynamic a little bit but um <laughs> you know yeah uh so listen is there are are there you know so you've I imagine you've played through a few APs before right so I have not played through a ton of adventure paths I the one I have played all the way through uh is the fourth adventure path for in the Pathfinder line of adventure paths and that's called Legacy of Fire and that's one that's set in the region called Katapesh, uh, which is on the continent of Garand in the world of Galarian. Um, and that one opens with an absolutely fantastic book written by Eric Mona, publisher of Paizo. Oh, wow. Um, that tells this great adventure. Uh, and the hook initially is we are hiring anyone who's willing to come with us to try and reclaim a desert town that has been overrun by gnolls and we need help making this happen and then from there it explodes into this whole other adventure uh, that was just a ton of fun it took us three and a half years of occasional play to get through that adventure path but when we finally did it was a super awesome moment um we uh Took a break in there for a while where I did run Kingmaker for that group uh, when the GM, the other GM of the group needed a break and he said, I just, I need to play for a while. I'm getting burned out on this. Uh, and I said, absolutely. Let me, let me try running this. And we got through uh, about three books of that uh, before we went back to Legacy of Fire. And once my kiddo came along, there was no going back to GMing that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was that. Yeah, that was that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so are there... You know, you have all these podcasts kind of like at your disposal, right? Uh, you, you can listen to anything that you want to. My question for you, is there any particular adventure path that you want to play which prevents you from listening to a podcast running? Is there is there some out there that you're just holding out hope that one day I'm going to get there, I'm going to play these six books, so I'm not going to listen to anybody running this particular adventure? I would love to play Curse of the Crimson Throne. So it actually is somewhat uh, to my benefit that there isn't a podcast out there for it right now. Um, so, uh, or the one that's out there, it's like, you know, my two, I think two or three at this point failed attempts to do a play by post of that adventure path. I, you know, I already know the first few things that happen in it. And so that's no huge surprises that were spoiled uh, there. Um, I would also really love to uh, play through Rise of the or not Rise of the Rune Lords because that story is so classically told at this point, and I've encountered yeah. it in so many different ways. Um, I would also love to do Return of the Rune Lords someday. That yeah. one in particular uh, seems really awesome, um, and uh, and I think that that's one that I would 
I would avoid listening to. Um, there are a lot of Age of Ashes uh, groups that are out there running right now for second edition. Mm -hmm. I've been invited to consider playing in that one at some point in the coming year uh, once a, another project finishes up. And we'll see if I can commit to it. I would love to because I think that that would be a that would be a great adventure path to run through as well. Um, awesome. But yeah, I think uh, for Starfinder, it's Dawn of Flame. Uh, I cannot wait to to get into that one. Um, though it kind of seems like maybe I hope it's not too much of a repeat after doing Legacy of Fire all those years ago um, to go into mm -hmm. one called Dawn of Flame. They're both the fourth adventure path for each of their systems, so. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I am for those. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Is anybody running Dawn of Flame right now at all? There's one. There's right? one. There's one that I know of. Actually, okay. there might be two, uh, and only the second one I'm I haven't seen as actively on Twitter, so I couldn't tell you for sure if they're they're for sure committed to that or not. But I do know one uh, called uh, a group that's that's out there that started as a stream and then turned their stream recordings into they edited it into a podcast format as well so yeah yeah, yeah. okay awesome awesome well i've got a little bit of a, a different question for you jason and because i would be remiss if i didn't ask you know to see if you can relate on this but something that i find fascinating about these in addition to your love of tabletop you're also quite interested in religion uh you've mentioned before that your wife has an academic career in theology and that you actually used to work at a church back in a Catholic church, a rather large Catholic church back in South Carolina or North Carolina, excuse me. So um, when I was growing up in small town Mississippi, uh, there were no shortage of reminders from the members of my Baptist church that all of the things that I loved were going to fast track me straight to Big Red. You know, uh, Pokemon were demonic and Harry Potter was teaching children witchcraft and of course... The uh, infamous satanic panic of, for D&D in the 80s. So, of course, you can't speak for anyone else. But in your personal experience, um, how have you found navigating that cross-section of your interest? And in recent years, have you seen any religious attitudes change regarding fantasy fiction? Yeah, it's an interesting set of conversations to have with folks to see how they're going to receive it. Because initially... The, the hurdle to jump over in that sphere is, oh, am I going to be socially ostracized uh, for any of these things? And if the answer is yes, well then maybe we should all be talking a little bit more about what the idea of grace is um, and how we, can, how we can work with each other on that. I will say that um, for me the worlds did not often overlap, only because my, particularly when I was working in the church, uh, I, I had, I tried to keep that professional distance between what I was doing and what my more personal interests uh, were. At the Absolutely. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, for me, the big challenge of saying that any of these, any of these activities are inherently problematic uh, is to say that we're opposed to the idea of storytelling and that stories of any stripe um, you know, how, how can stories of any stripe be supremely problematic for... Uh, let me see, how do I want to think about this? I think that the, the particular challenge of approaching something like these stories in a faith-based context is one where we're always going to be talking to ourselves about our priorities and what it is that we want to emphasize within our lives and what's taking importance. So if I'm someone where this game starts taking uh, over too much of my time, which would, you know, some people might say, Jason, you might want to check in on that. How many podcasts do you listen to? <laughs> um, then I should be able to, to look at myself and say, okay, that's fair. What are, how am I balancing this with the other aspects of my life? Um, I tend to look fairly favorably on the approach that a guy named Ignatius of Loyola had uh, and to really um, maybe not do him any favors but to to quickly summarize uh, one of his main things uh, is his understanding that God is in all things and if God is in all things then I should be able to 
take the stories that I tell with this game and have them inform my life and inform my faith in a way that helps me better engage with the world around me, better relate to the people that I encounter on the street, better put myself into their shoes and see the hardships that they are experiencing in their life, and see the ways in which I can be uh, someone who shares love and grace in this world that so desperately needs it. So if there's anything that these games can help us learn, I think it's that. Brilliantly, brilliantly and eloquently stated, man. Absolutely, fantastically stated. I, uh, the only, I don't, I don't have anything to add to that except that I, just me personally, I have noticed, um, a little bit of softening and acceptance when it comes to, you know, these like, just like fantasy fiction or sci-fi fiction, things that, you know, you can easily say are, are not leading children down a path of, of evil or, or whatnot, but are just an escape, just, um, you know, harmless fun, man. And, um, I, I do, I have seen that changing and, and, you know, I don't know how much you know about South Mississippi, but we're called the Bible Belt. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, there's a, a lot of, I was going to say, I went to Jackson once. Uh, I was helping out a group called... Uh, Sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, it was a, it was uh, in college. I did a spring break mission trip to Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, I don't know that we necessarily were bringing the gospel in a particular way, but we definitely built some, built some houses. So we worked on some houses. Yeah. Week. Yeah. 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 So I, that's I, cool, man. I have been to Mississippi. That is, that is about yeah. the extent of what I can, what I can share there. Yeah. Right. But, but you know, but that's, it's just very, it's very common, you know, that people are going to be religious here. And so it's everywhere. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to escape. Um, so you're gonna see it, and I, and I really I've I've noticed a change and a shift. So that is um that is that concludes the um, Christianity section of the interview. Uh, I do have a follow up question, though it is does come come away from the religion side, but to, to, <laughs> to, to kind of speak to that that the that tabletop role playing as a whole has become much more mainstream. You know what I mean? Not not just accepted in in becoming more accepted within religions or conservative mindsets, but just as a whole, we're starting to see it become, you know, a legitimate form of entertainment, including actual plays. Like, the, you know, this is a, a blossoming media form that I think has a lot of future. And I'm just curious, what do you think the future holds for our favorite hobby? You know, like, we've, we've got announced that the Adventure Zone is getting an animated series, right? Do you think that that's... that's future for this actual play experience yeah that's a great question i will never say that i am a prognosticator of the uh, entertainment industry because i am always surprised by what people are deciding is actually going to be the next turn or <laughs> Fair. Whatever thing. Yeah. Uh, so what i would say is i think that with the advent of things like the Adventure Zone animated series, the Critical Role animated series coming out. The ability for groups to travel the country and put on live shows to play games in front of them is a wild idea to me. It's insane. Absolutely. It's insane. But it's amazing, you know? <laughs> it really is. It really is. It feels like so much overlap between kind of Adam's and, and my background playing music you know and playing shows like that and then seeing like they're playing tabletop some of these same venues that yeah. you would go see bands at like, you know it's just like, so wild like gcp is playing venues that are on my bucket list of places to play music you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i you know i think it would be it would be really interesting to see someone try and pull off um uh well, yeah, I guess, so I guess, yeah, animated series, I could definitely see why a a studio would look at a group that gets to a particular popularity level and go, we want to invest in that, but we can't do it live action because that's crazy, and Game of Thrones was insanely expensive and set the bar super high. Well, and it takes away from the experience of the game, I think. If you tried to have a bunch of actors doing what the game, like, so much of that game has to be 
is the in-between moments, you know, the kind of meta conversations that are happening with the players, you know, like particularly well, with look something at Harmon like Quest. Adventures or Harmon Quest. Yeah, like the funniest parts about that show are the way they're interacting with each other as people, you know what I mean? Not just as characters in the story, you know, like, so that's got to be translated. And so, I, yeah, you know, you see all these animatics of some of our favorite shows and you, and you and they just they just kill because it's just people talking but you have this cool animation behind it that makes it so much funnier and bigger and you know yeah absolutely so i i think that the i think that the the podcast um sphere is only going to grow i think that more big networks are going to pick up shows that run this and run with it because they can see the success that certain of these groups have had um, I know there are a bunch that operate that way, but I think that there, I think that we're going to see even more in the coming years. Um, and I think that as live streams continue to become easier and easier for people to pull off uh, from, you know, wherever they are in the world, I think we'll see a lot of those as well. Um, as for me, um, yeah, I hope that whatever it is that is the next big thing, it continues to help people. Uh, connect and find ways of being inclusive in the community rather than excluding folks or gatekeeping folks out of the hobby uh, and definitely wanting to see folks um, embrace even greater diversity uh, every day and who they invite in to be part of their uh, part of their podcasts and what they do or their stream shows or, or whatever happens um, because our stories are only going to be richer as we increase the number and diversity of voices that are that we're hearing tell stories it's um, mm -hmm. the only way we're going to get better absolutely yeah, yeah it's just going to well add said. more layers to all the stories that we're hearing right all right so i've got one last question zach do you have any more questions i i think i've covered my and, and even questions that i had you just answered without me having to ask them jason right, right. so fantastic interviewing yeah so the last thing i want you to to share with our listeners is what advice would you give to those who are looking to start a new actual play podcast? Oh, you hear so many. You've got to know. You've got to know you've the missteps some, and some, yeah. the hits and misses of of, sure. of, of starting this is, out. This is a way for you to leverage your position without choosing favorites. <laughs> I would say, uh, first off, um, get a great group of friends that you want to do this with. Because if you're not doing it with people that you have been through hell and high water with once already, you're not going to be able to get through it uh, with them, with the podcast, right? Like, uh, you got to you gotta know who's got your back in the middle of this process. Um, two, make sure that not everything falls on the GM's shoulders. Because uh, if, if only one person is doing all the scheduling storytelling and editing that happens after the podcast starts uh that person's got gonna have a whole lot on their shoulders uh to have to tackle adam smirking <laughs> so hard right now <laughs> you wanted to be the editor dude i don't know, I know what you're I, 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 I enjoy the editing process but i do concur like if it, it i the only reason i do it all is because i have a control problem so that's <laughs> <laughs> and i'd say uh Third, surround yourself with a community of other podcast creators, uh, particularly in the Pathfinder and Starfinder world. I have yet to see a podcasting group that actively rejects the uh, support and friendship of other podcasters uh, in the sphere. Um, I think that there might be just some self-selectiveness or some selective ignorance that might be happening, but once they actually meet with each other, I think that folks are, are gracious uh, and generous with their time uh, and their advice around these things. So being able to find other people who know how to edit and getting tips from them on how to do audio editing, finding folks who are turning their podcasts into businesses and talking to them about crowdfunding, if there's support that you need for what you're doing, 
um, connecting with uh, with Paizo just so that they know that you're out there, that you're sharing their material, uh, that you're providing free advertising for them in a way by doing your podcast. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they, they love to hear about this stuff, right? They want to hear about your adventures. So I'd say um, that's one of the other things that I've tried to do and I'm like catching up on inviting people into. Uh, is a Discord server that I run for Pathfinder and Starfinder podcast creators so that folks can connect over these uh, adventures that we're running and get tips and tricks and troubleshooting. It's an ideas. incredible resource. Like, I mean, like, it's so good to just put all those brains in one spot because it's like, it's like a Discord that's very specific for those conversations. You know what I mean? So you don't have all the extra flair of like everybody talking about what they did that day. It's about this is hey i need help you know running this script or i need help editing this bit and there's a whole crowd of people that are there graciously helping you there's no as you said earlier there's no gatekeeping or being like i don't want to share my knowledge because i, I want to keep your podcast away from threatening mine there's, there's none of that it's it's really incredible yeah yeah so yeah i think those are the the three big things that i have there one have good threat good friends Two, don't put everything on the GM. Three, join a, the broader community and be part of the broader community. And those are the. I those think that's the excellent things. advice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the community has been one of the the best parts about doing this for me. Easily, easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. It's been great. So thank you so much to everybody yeah. for participating. Who's listening out there? Jason, thank you so much for thank sitting you, down Jason. and talking to us, man. We we really appreciate everything you do, not just for us. But for the Paizoverse community at large, man, you're an absolute asset Thanks, guys. to the community, man. So thank you hey, so much. You're very welcome. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, cheers to all. Yes, it's my great joy to uh, to get to do it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to all the adventures and stories that get to be told in the uh, the coming days and years. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Everybody go check it out. Follow Jason at What Do You Do Pods on Twitter. Um, good stuff. Uh, Adam, do we have any uh, anything to announce? I think maybe a, a specific episode we're dropping this weekend yeah, or something you know, like that. A little, little, little episode 50 coming out this Saturday. Um, and if you're listening now, before this Saturday, we are doing a little live stream party uh, just because we're going to be hanging out anyway. So we decided to let y'all in and, and enjoy some of the fun so we'll be talking about some of our favorite moments from the last 50 episodes we'll do a little listener q a and just kind of hang out take shots with you do whatever um so that's this saturday starting at nine central awesome all right thanks again jason thanks so much thanks for listening everyone have a great night yeah we'll see you we'll see you <laughs> <laughs>